What's up, everybody? Yes, it is I once again, your host, Joshua DeYoung, and I am so happy to be back doing another one of these episodes. I was worried for a minute that we weren't going to see another cage fight for a very long time, but Dana White came through, and now we are going to see UFC 249 from somewhere in Florida with no crowd. And if you think that's weird, it gets even weirder. We're going to get into all that in a minute. Welcome to another episode of Do You Mind MMA? So, I've been working really hard to get this thing done. It really takes a lot more time than I anticipated doing it this way, but I still really like typing it all out. And I think it's going to pay off in the long run as far as producing a consistent quality podcast for my adoring fans. Right now, I feel like people listen to my podcast just because they're my friend already and they do it as a favor or just to check in and see how I'm doing and what I'm thinking about because maybe they're worried. (laughs) But uh, if I want other people to listen, I want it to be good, like as good as I can possibly make it. And uh, I really just think this is the best way. So I, it's just a little more time-consuming and re- requires some focus, which is a muscle that I've been needing to exercise more in my life anyway. <laughs> uh, like, seriously, it's a miracle you're even hearing this. I can't get anything done sometimes, just with the way my brain works. Like, it's a daily struggle. Like, not even daily, like, moment to moment, all of the time. Like, even typing this is hard like you'd think it'd be easy just type what you're thinking but my mind gets so sidetracked so fast it's not even funny dude it's by like the stupidest shit too like i watched a video the other day of uh chris D'Elia doing his impression of how eminem raps and it's it is just so dumb but like i kind of love it now i kind of hate it but it's just like, it's just him spouting off, like, gibberish off the top of his head that rhymes in this ridiculous voice, like, You using way too many napkins. Blapkins. Lapkins and chapkins. You using chapstick and napkins while I'm papkin. Flamping around like a bampkin. And, like, it's... <laughs> it's, like, so dumb, but, like... Like, he's kind of right. Like, that's... That's what I love about Chris D'Elia. Like, like he's... Like, he's kind of right in that, like, Eminem... Like, could sound like that to somebody that, like, doesn't appreciate, like, all of the work that he puts into, like, writing all of those words down. But, like, it just, it just sounds like a bunch of flapping around, like a bambling again. It's kind of turned into that these days. But it's kind of what I'm learning to love about Chris D'Elia. He's He sort of convinced me that he's somehow cooler than me and everything is dumb. Like, he makes fun of everything. That's all his podcast is. Congratulations. He just rips on things. Like, the other day I saw him do one about uh, that guy Dan Blazarian. And he's like this billionaire playboy dude who's always taking pictures of himself on his yacht or his private jet. Just surrounded by all these hot chicks that he's apparently having sex with. I mean, probably. But, yeah, that guy's balling out of control. He's living a lot of guys' dream. And Chris D'Elia is just like, yeah, I understand you're banging all these chicks, but then you're also just hanging out with them? Like, you're on a six-hour plane ride in a private jet with these ten chicks? That sounds terrible. And I'm not saying you can't have fun hanging out with ten chicks, but like ten thoughts, dude? What kind of weirdo signs up for that? And just like that, Dan Blazarian's dumb. He's dumb now, and that's like... Yeah, that, that that's the same thing like what he did with Eminem. He can just like take anything that like sounds amazing and just like make it dumb. But that's like what he did with Eminem and that's the oh yeah, the Eminem thing. That's what's always stuck in my head all the time. And like anything can trigger it, not not even napkins. Cause there were other rhymes that he did. There was one about him <clears throat> getting getting an abortion and a divorce with Harrison Ford and a Ford Taurus with a Porsche on the floorboards or something like that 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 that's another one that gets stuck in my head all the time it could be something simple like hey can you get can you get the corn out of the microwave and some water and my brain just goes off like of course get the water wash down the corn while you're war torn and a Porsche Harrison Ford on the floorboards
so yeah that's what life with ADD is like it's it's entertaining but it's not always the most productive way to be because I forget what I'm doing forgot what I was doing well if I just keep on doing that I'll remember that I was getting the water and the corn but anyway I need to learn to actually focus on what I'm doing and get it done and this is a good practice and the more I practice getting my thoughts down in words the better I'll get at it and I can really start cranking these out more and more in the future like I'm really into it it's helping me keep my creative juices flowing like it was starting to get a little stagnant for a while I was just playing video games all day not that there's anything wrong with that if that's how you're dealing with the quarantine but I actually have projects like this that I want to get done uh, oh and I have music that I'm working down now yeah uh, my buddy Randy who I used to be in a band with is uh, he's always writing new material like as long as I've known him he's been in bands like he's put out solo albums instrumental albums uh, he also does like movies on top of that on the side but he's just always producing something and he hit me up the other day he's like hey I'm getting the old band back together with a new singer <clears throat> and uh we've just been writing a bunch of songs and um I have some here that they like didn't really go for I thought they were bangers so like if you want to do something with them then like you know have fun go for it and dude these songs slap like I'll throw in a I'll try to play a sample of one of them like just to give you an idea what kind of stuff that I'm, I'm working with right now. pretty cool right so yeah i've got all that going on um i'll keep you posted on that as it develops but for now i'm just really excited i haven't made music in a while and i kind of forgot how much i liked it and when i'm having fun i'm doing my best work so yeah stick around for that but for now i want to get to the topic of fight talk <clears throat> there is an event happening today that i am so crazy excited for and I know I'm like late to the party and it's like probably too late to put it out the same day as the fight but whatever better late than never I'm doing it anyway and if you're listening to this after maybe we'll see if I'm right about some things who knows but <clears throat> before that we're gonna cut to a quick commercial and then get into it so it's finally happening today and I am just stupidly excited. I didn't know when the next one was going to happen. But Dana White has come through. And it is a great time for people to start getting into the UFC right now. Because it's the only sport happening. And by the way, like, let's face it. Other sports are kind of dumb. Like, we were just talking about basketball the other day. Basketball's fun. I have nothing against basketball. I remember playing it in middle school. I was pretty okay. I was a good body to have out there, taking up space, you know. I was a real team player. I knew who to pass it to when. And I even made a couple layups in my time. Not too shabby. I like basketball. But some of it's dumb. I mean, I get that there has to be rules, otherwise we're just animals flinging things at each other but when you think about the high stakes we place on professional sports they take things like ball bouncing 
very seriously. Like if you get the ball and you want to start moving, you got to bounce the ball. But make sure you're only bouncing it straight down. Like if your hand goes too far sideways when you're bouncing the ball, that's called traveling and they'll stop the whole game and then tell you not to do that again and then they'll give the other team the ball. Oh, and if you stop bouncing, you cannot start bouncing again. You gotta pass it, shoot it, just get rid of it because if you bounce it again, we will stop the whole game, tell you you did the bad thing, and then give the other team the ball again, and people will hate you. Or they'll hate the ref, depending on if the call was bogus. And that can lead to some heated arguments. Imagine that, grown men getting into shouting matches over the particulars of ball bouncing. I have neither the time nor the patience for such utter nonsense as a grown adult. This is why I love mixed martial arts. Nothing is more entertaining or easy to understand than a good fight. There is no stopping the action for five minutes at a time unless someone finishes the fight or someone gets kicked in the balls or poked in the eye and they give him a minute to let him recover so that he can continue trying to punch his opponent in the face for kicking him in the balls. That's completely understandable. If you took someone to a basketball game, they wouldn't understand the rules right away. They'd be like, wait, why do you stop? What do you do? Foul? What's a foul? Oh, you, you bumped him? That's bad. Oh, wait, so now he's going to shoot the ball? Why is everyone just standing there? Why aren't they trying to stop him? Oh, yeah, it's a free shot? A free throw? How many, how many free throws? Sometimes one, sometimes two? Like, is, is two this time? Well, when is it one and when is it two? Like, it's a lot to understand if you're starting from scratch. Like, there's none of that with a fight. No matter if it's in a boxing ring or a cage or in the street... If you see two people going at it, you're like, oh, wow, those guys are really trying to hurt each other. And you stop and watch. You always stop to watch, even if it's just for a second, because fights are compelling. Even if you say you don't like violence, like it's still captivating, like a train wreck or like like watching lions hunt things on the nature channel. You just you can't look away. Dana White put it best when he explained why MMA was the best sport. Imagine, if you will, a giant field divided into four parts. You got a football game on one field, a soccer game on one, and a basketball game on the other one. If fight breaks out in the fourth corner, everyone is going to turn and watch the fight. Those are just the facts. And now, it's literally the only sport going on. So now's the perfect time to start talking about it. It's a good time to get into it, man. And first of all, the UFC events during the coronavirus outbreak is a whole different ballgame. Like, before everything really popped off and we went on full lockdown, they did one last event in Brazil at the arena as scheduled. But there was no crowd. Like, none at all. No spectators. It was a really weird vibe, man. First of all, you still had the ring announcer doing his job, announcing the names and the whole nine yards like, Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee. I'm like, dude, you don't have to yell. Everybody's right there. Why do you even have a microphone? I guess to broadcast to the people at home, but like it was amplified in the arena still, I think. It was like all echoey. Uh, oh, and of course, uh, you know, during the fight, there was no cheering either, which sucks because it was in Brazil, which is a country known for its like rabid, crazy fans. But instead of cheering, it was you just hear everything. You hear every kick and punch so clearly because there's no background noise. It just echoes. Like if you hear a good kick, like you hear just like thwack, like echoing through the arena. And you can also hear the coaches yelling their advice from the side. Like, since it's so quiet, each guy in the cage could hear what the other guy's coach was saying the whole time, too. 
so he knows what his opponent was going to do before he does it. It changes the whole dynamic of the fight. Like, it was really weird and just interesting with no crowd. Not as weird as WWE with no crowd, though. I don't know how that happened. Like, they've just been doing those still somewhere in Florida. Like, filming all their weekly shows. And even, I think, they did WrestleMania to an empty arena. Which is insane. I guess Vince McMahon used whatever pull that he had with Donald Trump to convince him that world wrestling entertainment was essential. I wish I could hear that meeting. Like, listen, Don, remember WrestleMania 23, Battle of the Billionaires? Loser shaves his head. You picked Bobby Lashley. I picked Umaga. Kind of funny looking back right now, you know, because my fighter had Maga right in the name and he lost, but whatever. The point is, you shave my head on pay-per-view for millions to see. You owe me one. Yeah, you know what, Dad, Vince, that's a fair point. Yeah, wrestling stays. Anyway, point is, WWE is essential, and now I guess the UFC is too. They did try to put out an event recently that failed to take place, which was a whole crazy saga of its own. I mean, Dana White kept promising it was going to happen, but he was being really sketchy about the details. Like, nobody knew where it was going to actually take place that wasn't directly involved with it, and I, I don't think we actually found out where it was going to be until after it was canceled. But it was supposed to happen at some, excuse me, small arena on an Indian reservation, so uh, there were no regulations. Like, he didn't even get shut down by the government. He just got told by some of the higher-ups at WME, who I believe own ESPN and Disney. They told him, like, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to have to shut that down. Like, Dana White's always aggressive in business, and sometimes on social media, like, he's been known to get into arguments with fans just for the hell of it. Um, the point is, he's very tenacious, and when he wants to try to get something done, he will find a way to get it done. And as far as I know, he could have totally gotten away with it from a legal standpoint. His bosses just told him not to, decided it was a bad look for the company. Okay, great. So now the latest is that UFC 249, the event they had to cancel, has been moved to today, and they're holding it at the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. So I guess Florida is just down for whatever. No surprise there. That's very on-brand for Florida. Uh, apparently they plan to hold uh, four events there in the month of May on the 9th today, the 13th, and the 16th, and maybe the 23rd. Uh, that means that uh, we'll be getting 40 fights in the month of May. 40 total, like, with all, all of the events put together, I believe is what Chael Sonnen said. And is, which is why he decided we should deem this month the month of MMA. Get it? Which is stupid and corny, but <laughs> I'm all for it. I love it. I think we should all call it that. Anyway, so... If we can have March Madness, we can have MMA, right? Right. Anyway, this whole thing is madness. But apparently they're having to make up for lost time because the UFC has some kind of deal because with UFC, ESPN, where they have to produce a certain number of shows this year, and Dana White is doing his best to make it happen. But the biggest news lately is that Dana White announced that Fight Island will be up and running by June. It was originally going to be May, but they had to push it back because there was a lot of work to be done on it yet. And some of you may be asking at this point, what's Fight Island? Well, if you don't know by now, Fight Island is a private island. No one knows where it is, but it is being built from the ground up for the sole purpose of hosting UFC events for the rest of the foreseeable future during this lockdown. And... There's going to be hotels for the fighters and their team to stay in, complete with all the amenities, including saunas for the weight cut, whatever food they request, uh, a spa with hot tubs, um, full training facility. Again, they're building this whole thing from scratch in a month. And yeah, that ESPN and Disney money makes things happen. Uh, it's... Uh, so insane though we're literally doing the plot of enter the dragon now 
do you need more evidence that we're living in a simulation? I mean, seriously, like, if someone was running this show, like, like, God, or, like, you know, any, like, whoever's, like, running this, if this is, like, a video, someone's video game or something, I bet they're really having a laugh at all of our expense right now. Like, someone was just like, okay, I'm gonna make them do Enter the Dragon now. Aw, oh, really? Come on, how? Watch this. Boom, coronavirus. Shut everything down. Build an island from scratch. You crazy bastard. You actually did it. Uh, anyway, all crazy theories aside, we get to enjoy a stacked card today. And when I say stacked, I mean stacked. Like, there, there's not a bad fight on this card from top to bottom. Um, in fact, we'll start, I'll start at the bottom of the prelims. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the guys in the early, early prelims, but um, the one that was opening the prelims card was Uriah Hall versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza, but um, that fight has been cancelled now, because uh, Jacare tested positive for coronavirus, so fights off, like we uh, anticipated that may be happening, but you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen if it did. And I guess they're just going to... Uh, I haven't actually heard anything further. I just uh, read the headline now and actually didn't have anything prepared for this part. But <laughs> I will say that that kind of sucks because I was looking forward to this one. I've been looking forward to everything, but at least it wasn't the main event. But I like Uriah Hall. He's been He's been in the UFC for a while now. He came through the UFC through the Ultimate Fighter the same season as Kelvin Gastelum. And uh, actually, he was the favorite to win that season. Everybody in the house was scared of him. And he had one of the sexiest knockouts I have ever seen to this day in my life. In the Ultimate Fighter or otherwise. He knocked this dude out with a spinning hook kick. And it was just like, oh. He just went limp like he'd been shot. Just out cold. It was just like, shoot. Went to the hospital and everything. Uh, yeah, and Uriah Hall felt real bad about it after. I kind of did, too. Even now, kind of talk about it. Like, I mean, it was an amazing knockout that was spectacularly executed with technique and precision, but, like, I still don't, you don't love to see people really get hurt like that, but... Anyway, they were taking, they were talking him up to be the next Anderson Silva, and that was coming from... Chael Sonnen, who was the coach that season, and he had actually been in the ring with Anderson Silva twice. Uh, so I figured if anyone would know, he would. Of course, it didn't work out that way. And uh, Kelvin Gastelum won the finale and went on to become the middleweight champion. And Uriah's career has been sort of like hit or miss ever since. Uh, his last fight, it looked he looked as good as he's ever been, but the only problem was he was fighting Paulo Costa, who is a terrifying, muscle-bound, smashing machine of a man, which is, so while Uriah might have, was more technically sound in that fight, Costa was just, like, eating those shots and marching forward and uh, eventually just clobbered him like he does most of his opponents. Now he's uh, he's fighting against a crafty veteran in Jacare, um, or at least he was. Uh, Jacare is known more as a grappler, but... He's been known to knock people out from time to time, so you can't really relax anywhere, so... Would have been good. Would have been good, for sure. But, alas, it's not happening now. Then we've got the Cookie Monster, Carla Esparza, versus the Karate Hottie herself, Miss Michelle Watterson. Now, Carla was the first ever women's UFC strawweight champion. She beat Rose Namajunas in the finale of her season of The Ultimate Fighter... Um, and she lost that title, I think, immediately after to Joanna Young Jacek. Um, and but she's been a perennial contender ever since. I mean, her strong wrestling has consistently been her best asset, and she wins most of her fights by decision. But all of her skills are going to be put to the test against Michelle Watterson, who's coming off a decision loss in a championship bout with Joanna, also. So, um, she's a great striker. So. Um, 
once again, sort of a striker versus grappler matchup, but both are very well-rounded, so it's just going to be a matter of who can impose their specialty on the other, so yeah, that's a dope fight. And we've also got Alexi Olenek versus Fabricio Verdum. Now, this fight's an exciting matchup for me because it's two high-level grapplers. Alexi is the guy who just kept catching people in that Ezekiel choke, which, like, if you don't know what it is, I can only describe it as a front naked choke, which sounds awful, but essentially it's like a rear naked choke, which honestly doesn't sound better. We're just used to it. But it's applied directly to the throat from the front, and, like, it's super tricky to pull off, but uh, he keeps doing it from all different positions. Most notably, he did it one time from the bottom of full mount while getting pounded in the face with punches and he finished the fight so like, like look up look it up look up his highlight reel before you watch this fight it's pretty impressive but if you want to talk about impressive you you gotta talk about Fabricio Verdum I mean the people he's beat is just a who's who of heavyweight MMA in the past decade uh, and beyond like just to name a few uh, Antonio Bigfoot Silva Back in 2009, when he was still on the TRT, uh, submitted Fedor when Fedor was Fedor, the biggest name outside of the UFC at the time. And I remember that specifically because Verdum had previously been knocked out in the first round by Junior Dos Santos before being cut by the UFC. So when Verdum beat Fedor so quickly, uh, Dana White just tweeted a smiley face. <laughs> um, and I still remember that happening because he had tried so hard to get Fedor into the UFC, but they couldn't reach an argument for whatever reason. I guess his people were being really stubborn and they were a pain in the ass, so smiley face was justified. Anyway, more on Verdum. So he's beaten Roy Nelson, submitted Big Nog by Armbar, which is ridiculous because he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who's amazing in his own right. Uh, beat Travis Brown twice, uh, TKO'd Mark Hunt with like a flying knee and then strikes on the ground, which is a, not an easy thing to do if you know who Mark Hunt is. He's a giant Samoan with a big old blockhead that hits hard and can get hit very hard. People don't knock him out very. I, I don't. I can't. I don't. I don't even know. Anyway, um, and then he won the title from Cain Velasquez. And then uh, he also he got knocked out by Stipe Miocic shortly after, and uh, he's gone three and two since then, and got most recently got knocked out by Alexander Volkov. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. He's coming back from a suspension now. I guess he got he tested positive for some banned substance or something and got suspended. But let's not forget. Uh, he still has, he's in the argument for being one of the top three heavyweights of all time. And this could be a big comeback for him and put him right back into title contention in the heavyweight division, especially depending if this DC rematch ever happens. Like, Stipe might be needing an opponent in the nearish future, but I think overall, Verdum has the skills to neutralize Alexi's grappling and the striking to put him away in the probably second or third round by TKO, or maybe even submission. Uh, he might just go for it if he thinks he has better grappling and striking. He just finish the fight wherever he wants. It does have possibly the best ground game in the heavyweight division. I mean, I can't think of anyone better off the top of my head. Um, maybe different approaches, but like as far as jujitsu goes, nobody in the heavyweight division can beat him. Uh, okay, and lastly on the prelims is Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Now. That's how good this card is, by the way. That Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis is headlining the prelims. Anyway, Pettis actually, um, this is actually a rematch, and Pettis won the first fight the way that most people beat Donald Cerrone. He just uh, applied heavy pressure and overwhelmed him early, eventually knocking him out. And, you know, Donald's been a notoriously slow starter most of his career, but he's gotten better about it in recent years, but, you know, sometimes he's still susceptible to being pressured early, and he does his best work when he's able to dictate the pace of the fight with his kicks and intercepting knees to keep his opponent off of him at the distance he wants. 
Now, Pettis is coming off back-to-back losses at the hands of uh, Nate Diaz via decision. And then uh, Carlos Fajeda choked him out in the second round in their last fight when he returned to 155. And uh, this fight's back up at welterweight, which I think their their first fight was at 155 too, so that's different. Interesting. Um, I think that makes it more fun for both of them. Uh, yeah, they're not going to be as concerned about the weight cut. They're going to have more time to focus on their skills and game planning for this fight. And uh, I think we're going to have a real barn burner on our hands. Potentially fight of the night. I mean, there's like so many potential fight of the nights on this card. And we're not even to the main card yet. So, opening the main card, we've got Greg I Need My Inhaler Hardy versus Jorgen DeCastro. Yes, Greg Hardy has been the subject of controversy many times over the years. First, because he had domestic abuse allegations from before he fought in the UFC. But apparently we've just moved past that and given him a second chance. Or they keep pushing him because people want to see him get beat up. I don't know, but as long as he keeps keeps his punching in the cage, I guess we gotta go with it. But uh, then, you know, inhaler gate happened, where between two rounds, he uh, he pu- took a puff off an inhaler while his corner was asking, hey, uh, is that allowed? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cleared by USADA. And it wasn't, and he won the fight. So that was a whole weird thing that happened. And uh, I could excuse this if he was an otherwise great fighter and stand-up guy, but, like, you know, he's just okay. He mostly gets by on athleticism, and uh, he's getting better, but I don't think he'll ever be champ. And then uh, this guy he's fighting, DeCastro, um, he's another guy that came off the Dana White's Contender Series, and he was seen most recently opening the main card for Adesanya versus Whitaker. Excuse me. And he, uh, he won by a walk-off knockout in the first round that brought him to 6-0 and in MMA. So... Um, yeah, he's undefeated, relatively short career so far, I guess, but uh, we don't know a whole lot about him, except he hits hard, and he's a school teacher. Uh, I bet he has very polite students. Uh, I hope he wins, but, you know, the UFC is sort of pushing Greg Hardy for some reason. I mean, he's on the main card over Cowboy versus Pettis, so that's something. I don't know, hopefully someone gets knocked out early. Hopefully Hardy. I'm kind of sick of him. Uh, otherwise, this one could just get sloppy and boring. No uh, no knock on them thick boys. It just is what it is. And then we got Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. Yeah, like I said, uh, you, know, you know, Cowboy Pettis versus... Cowboy versus Pettis could be fight of the night because this could also be fight of the night. They could all be fight of the night. This is... This one's not very complicated. Both of these dudes come to knock you out, and they both have the power to do it. Um, Cater's coming off a loss to Zabit, but um, that was a decision in a three-round fight where uh, he had kept coming forward at the end, and Zabit was starting to look a little tired. So, like, if that one went five rounds, maybe uh, maybe it would have went Cater's way. But um, by no means was he getting his ass kicked in that fight. Um and Jeremy Stevens, you know, basically he was on a he's on a three fight losing streak right now. Uh, he got TKO'd by Jose Aldo, and then also lost a decision to Zabit, and uh, most recently he lost to Yair Rodriguez by decision in the rematch after that weird fight where he got poked in the eye right away. And uh, so yeah, this could be like a make or break situation for him, which really sucks because he's always been a contender at the weight and uh at multiple weight classes actually and uh and he's been fighting top level competition for a long time but um I don't know he might have passed the point in his career where winning the title in the UFC is doable and um you know he might have a better chance might be a better career move to try free agency well, there's definitely some fun matchups for him over at Bellator I mean like I think Aaron Pico comes to mind I think he's in the same weight class. Uh, Patricio Pitbull, dude, that'd be a cool fight for the belt over there. He could be the champ at Bellator. Easy. Maybe not easy. I mean, it'd be close, but you don't want to see that. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion, 
kind of depends, but, you know, it's just all speculation. Either way, this fight is going to be fun. And then there's going to be Francis Ngannou versus Jarzino Rosenstruck. Yeah, both of these dudes are hard-hitting heavyweights with terrifying power. Both men have knockout wins over Alistair Overeem. Uh, Ngannou sent his head flying into the nosebleeds, and Rosenstruck made his face explode. So, as far as power goes, I would say they're evenly matched. But uh, I'll give the technical edge to Ngannou. Like, if I was using their common opponent Overeem as, like, a measuring stick, which... I know it doesn't always work out, but kind of bear with me. Nganu slipped a lot of Overeem's punches before knocking him out in the first round, while Rosenstruck was getting outstruck by Overeem for most of the fight before eventually knocking him out in the third. So, I don't think he can afford to make the same kind of mistakes in this fight against Nganu as he did against Overeem because the consequences are much more dire when you take into account the freakish knockout power Francis has. So, um, I, pre- I predict uh, Francis via knockout in the first. Uh, maybe second. We'll see. And then in the co-main event, we have Triple C, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz for the bantamweight belt. Now, this fight's interesting because uh, Cruz hasn't fought since he lost the belt to Cody Garbrandt back in 2016. And since then, uh, TJ Dillashaw beat Cody twice... Uh, wants to win the belt from him after a very annoying season of the Ultimate Fighter for him, and then once again to defend it in the rematch. And, uh, well, then he got cocky and wanted to be a champ champ, so he cut down to 125 somehow and got knocked out by Henry Cejudo. And then it turned out that somehow was actually performance-enhancing drugs, primarily EPO, so he got stripped of his weight belt, and Henry moved up to 135, and beat Marlon Marias for the vacant title, and um, and that again, yeah, that title was vacated by a guy that he had already knocked out. So it really almost felt like more of a title defense than a first win. So now Dominic Cruz is coming out of retirement to try to win back the belt that he lost four years ago. Now, you know, some of you may want to do the MMA math and go, well, Henry beat the guy who beat the guy who beat Dom, therefore. Henry beats Dom. Well, it doesn't work that way. These are completely different matchups with a lot of other factors, uh, ring rust being one of them. <clears throat> Four years is a really long time to be out of the game. And uh, he was out with injuries, too, like for years. First, he had uh, tendonitis that made it hard to walk going into the Cody Garbrandt fight, and uh, which probably affected his performance because footwork is such a big part of it. And um, then after that, he broke his arm in 2017, and uh, I guess he was scheduled to fight again later uh, in 2018, but he had to pull out due to a shoulder injury. So I guess he never really retired. He was just hurt this whole time, and he was uh, doing the commentating gig while he couldn't fight. So uh, this is a big comeback, and uh, I guess it was supposed to be Jose Aldo in this fight, but he had to pull out due to visa issues. Uh, international travel in general might be difficult right now. So uh, we got Cruz filling in, and uh, honestly, it's a really interesting matchup. So like, if ring rust isn't a thing, and we're assuming both guys are at the top of their game, I think I actually give the edge to Dominic Cruz. Henry Cejudo could possibly take him down, as he is an Olympic gold medalist after all. But MMA wrestling is different because there's so many different factors, and Cruz's style is specifically designed to be counter-wrestling. He's much rangier than Henry, and he keeps his hands low to tempt his opponents to go for the head, and then if they shoot for a takedown, his hands are low, they're ready to intercept the shot and sprawl and possibly go for a choke, or just catch his opponent with a couple shots on the break to make them pay for it. So if Henry can manage to land uh, some leg kicks, I think he'll greatly increase his chances of winning. TJ Dillashaw had some success with leg kicks uh, in the later part of their fight. Um, It was a little too little, too late at that point, but Dominic's movement was greatly reduced in the fifth round after eating some hard kicks. And um, again, Dom will try to make him pay for these kicks, possibly with a right cross or one of those big looping overhands he likes to throw so much, potentially uh, catch him off balance and drop him. Now, one thing we learned about Henry Cejudo is that... uh, 
what he may lack in the technical stand-up department, he makes up for it in aggression. Like, first off, he's headbutted many of the guys he's fought, including Dillashaw, right before he landed the head kick that finished him. Um, not a lot of people notice that, I guess, but it's kind of a secret weapon that nobody talks about because headbutts are technically illegal but they just happen to occur frequently due to the nature of his style and i'm not trying to say he's a dirty fighter at all he's just short and he comes in with his head down so it's gonna happen Uh, beyond that he's shown that he's able to push through adversity he was getting lit up against marlon marias in the first round and then in the second he got all hyped up by his corner and basically just ran in and threw the big right until it landed and it actually worked really well um he won the fight so if it ain't broke don't fix it Uh, aggression can overcome more technical striking in certain cases but if henry comes in with a calculated aggressive game plan he could pull it off especially with dom coming off such a long layoff but we'll just have to wait and see and speaking of waiting finally here we are getting around to the fight i know you've really been waiting for me to talk about Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje. Now, originally, this was supposed to be Tony versus Habib for, like, the fifth, sixth time. I don't know. But once again, the fight has been canceled. I swear this thing is cursed. This fight has been plagued by injuries, layoffs, suspensions, and now the freaking coronavirus. I guess uh, Habib went back to Dagestan back when you could still do that, but... Since then, they've locked down travel from Russia, so that fight is a no-go. Fortunately, Justin Gaethje stepped up, and um, honestly, as far as exciting matchups go, I am just as excited to see what happens in this fight. Like, I really want Tony. I want Tony to win because, of course, I still want to see Tony Habib fight. But um, Gaethje would could spoil the party for everyone. Like, I don't think he matches up as well against Habib, but he, as he does against Tony. Um, yeah, Justin does come from a wrestling background, but, um, apparently the reason you never see him use it during his fights is because he says he can't wrestle for 15 minutes, like he used to do seven minute matches all the time, and like he would just go for it, but he'd be exhausted at the end, so 15 minutes of just straight wrestling is, uh, not feasible for him, and meanwhile, you hear stories about Habib doing grappling shark tanks with nine other guys until they're all lying on the floor exhausted, and he's still doing push-ups, an hour later while uh and uh tony does have insane cardio but he's a very different fighter than habib in ways that could work to justin's advantage uh tony is a wildly unorthodox fighter who throws caution to the wind he comes in with his chin high and his hands low relying on reflexes to roll with the punches instead of blocking them in a traditional manner and the style usually ends up working in his favor eventually as it's fairly unpredictable and hard to train for unless you have some crazy sparring partners that can copy what Tony does, which, first of all, if there's another guy who can fight like Tony, why isn't he in the UFC too? And second, even if that guy existed, we're in the middle of a lockdown, so you couldn't train with him anyway. Uh, however, Tony does get hit fairly regularly in his fights, and Gaethje has shown regularly that he has the power to put people away for making mistakes. And uh, he's gotten better at it throughout his <clears throat> last few fights. He's more focused than he used to be, and in the lead-up to this fight, uh, one of his coaches was talking about a uh, conversation they had about a recent shift in his mindset. Uh, I guess when Justin first came to the UFC from World Series of Fighting, he really just wanted to put on a show and be an exciting fighter. Uh, He liked to brawl, and making it a scrap was more important than winning or losing. But recently when his coach talked to him about if he thought he could be the lightweight champion, he said, yeah. And the coach was like, all right, well then let's do it. So you see a slightly more uh, reserved Justin Gaethje now. He's willing to take a step back and measure his opponent a little bit to really try to place that perfect shot. So that does make me worry for Tony. However, Tony Ferguson's the type of guy you would have to carry off on a stretcher before he'll be taken out of a fight. And uh, even then, he'll try to ankle pick the medic and try to fight his way back to the cage just on pure instinct. The longer this fight goes on, the more it favors Tony Ferguson. Fighting Tony Ferguson is like trying to fight a wood chipper. Like, you can move around it and avoid getting hurt for a while and maybe hit it back a few times. 
if you find the right angle, knock it over maybe, but it's just as dangerous on the ground. And uh, you're going to get hurt in the process, and it's only going to get worse the longer it goes. The before and after shots of Tony Ferguson's opponents from his last, like, ten fights look like they've been the victim of a motorcycle accident. Just blood everywhere. They don't call him El Kukui for nothing. He is the boogeyman, and he's coming to slash you up with elbows from everywhere like a horror movie villain. Stepping in elbows, spinning elbows from the clinch, spinning elbows, elbows from the mount, elbows from the back, elbows, 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 and they all add up to make hideous men out of his opponents. And as I mentioned earlier, Justin Gaethje doesn't have the best cardio, and Tony only seems to get better as the fight goes on. I think something about him really enjoys the pain. Like, it hypes him up. Like, that's one of the things I, I kind of love about Tony Ferguson. He's weird. Like, if you ever watched his interviews, he talks about being Ninja Turtles and sharpening his elbows to... He's like, like, when you watch his training videos, too, he's always playing with, like, a Wing Chun dummy or doing squats on a yoga ball or kicking the shit out of a steel pipe. It's absolutely bananas, dude. And I love all of it because that's me, too. I, I kick things when I'm bored, like waiting waiting for the bus stop, like kick a fence post or something, a light post. Or um, at the bus stop, maybe I'll just, if no one's around, I'll start like kicking a light post or a trash can or whatever, just sort of sitting around, just kind of bang my shin against it. Just kind of like how it feels. Or like at my old job sometimes, I'd find a like a stick or a broom handle or something and just like start whacking myself in the shins with it. Because I'd seen these Muay Thai shin conditioning videos on YouTube. Or like I'd kick kick a tree or something, you know. Sometimes it really stings, like if I do it wrong or at the wrong angle or a little too hard. But I, I still kind of get a kick out of it because I feel like I'll be ready for that moment if it ever does come. At least that's what I told myself, because I know I'm not actually a fighter, but hey, I had dreams. I still have dreams, and I'm just saying, I think I kind of understand where he's coming from. He gets an adrenaline rush from the pain, because he knows if it hurts him, like going, kick, he likes kicking him shin to shin, and like he knows like doing stuff like that, like it's going to be, it hurts him, but it's going to hurt his opponent a lot worse, because he hasn't prepared the way Tony has. So it excites him. He's a, he's a guy that just loves violence, and so is Justin Gaethje, and uh, I cannot wait to see this fight actually take place. All right, I think that's just about going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, this has come out to 23 pages as I'm typing it, and uh, if the last episode I did is any indication, it means this one is going to be long, like maybe an hour. So uh, I'm going to cut it off soon. But I also just wanted to give a quick shout out to Street Beefs real quick, because they have adjusted to operate during the quarantine as well. Now, you know, they're a backyard fight promotion. So obviously, they can't get their fighters tested or anything. So if you're worried about social distancing or whatever, that's on them. Like, I'm not going to judge whether or not they should be doing it. Because the fact is, they are and uh, I'm entertained by it, so that's that. Uh, they're not holding big events like they used to, of course, like on every Saturday, but uh, they're hosting individual fights in the yard with people meeting at different times throughout the week instead of everyone coming on Saturday. They're doing fights by appointment, so uh, that's pretty exciting, and there's been some good scraps since the lockdown. Uh, a couple of super heavyweights went at it. That's something you don't see every day. Good old thick boy slugfest. Uh, also, shout out to the homie Demon Monsoon. Uh, I think he just went to 10-1 and one in the yard with his latest victory over a guy that um, had the size advantage over him and a pretty successful amateur boxing career already. Uh, from my understanding, uh, this was a beef fight too. Uh, Demon Monsoon is one of my favorite fighters on street beefs because uh, he has autism, and uh, he trains at Demon Boys Boxing, which is kind of like the main, or Neutral Corner Boxing, which is the main Street Beefs HQ. Demon Boys is the YouTube channel, but whatever. Um, it's like the Street Beefs headquarters boxing gym, and uh, through training there, he's found something that he's really good at and passionate about, and uh, he does it, like, he, he uses his platform to, like, raise awareness about people with autism and stuff. It's great. I love it. And then this dude... Zach Hardman, who was apparently going off on social media, 
you know, using the R word, even went so far as directing it towards Jeff, Demon's real name, which is messed up. I mean, I'm guilty of, like, saying, like, oh, that's retarded before, like, especially just, like, joking around in high school. But, like, I would never actually direct it at someone with any kind of mental disability. Like, that's messed up. Like, even then, in high school, like, I didn't do that. But, anyway, so, Demon Monsoon stood up to this big bad bully and won, which was awesome to see. It was crazy slugfest, like, back and forth, but he gutted it out, and uh, it was awesome to watch. So, good for you, dude. Uh, Also... Uh, Street Beef's lightweight champion and fan favorite Beach is apparently taking some time off and uh, they had an interim title match in the meantime it was Black Lightning versus Reckless Rico and it was quick Uh, Reckless Rico caught him early on with like an arm and guillotine position and he just sort of like held him there and threw some hard knees for a minute before just uh, switching his grip up a little bit so he sinking in an anaconda choke and finishing it on the ground so uh, hats off to him as well. Uh, hopefully we see Beach back in the yard again soon. Uh, I don't know if he's taking a break just because of the quarantine or if he's like focusing on his amateur fighting career in official sanctioned organizations. But uh, either way, I do hope he returns sooner rather than later. All right, now that finally wraps things up. Now that I'm at 25 pages like double-spaced in 13-point font because it's easier to read it that way. But still, I'm sure you're all at least as sick of hearing me talk as I am of talking. I'm just ready to see the fights already and and the rest of this month. We're going to have a lot to talk about for the month of MMA. But until next time, just remember to mind your mind. Because if you mind your mind, well, then your mind won't mind. So mind your mind. Mind!